Well, how many of you would say fall is your favorite time of year? Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, absolutely love this time of year, but it also may be why some people slept in this morning and didn't show up to church. Thank you very much. Well, I do love fall. I love being here. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Let me begin with this. How many of you love food? Anybody? Anybody else love food? I love food. I'm one of those guys that when I go to a restaurant and I find something that I like, like I'm going to get that every single time that I go back, right? I don't want to take a chance on potentially getting something that's not good, and so I'll get it every time I go back, whether it's the lettuce wraps at P.F. Chang's or the coconut shrimp at Outback or, oh, wait for it, the fried artichoke hearts at BJ's Brewery. Guys, I love those. Those will change your life. I'm not joking. They will literally change your life. They're that good. I love food. Now, some of you may be the type where you don't play it safe. Like every time you go, you want to order something new. You want to try different things on the menu. And I know you're your type of people. I, we love you too. But if that's you, man, you got to check out the Cheesecake Factory. When you go to the Cheesecake Factory, they bring out an encyclopedia for your menu. I mean, if you guys have been there, you know this. You could go every day for the rest of your life and order something new. And then when it comes to actually ordering a piece of cheesecake, it's, it reminds me of the, the card catalog back in the library. You know, anybody remember card catalogs? Date yourself a little bit here. Let me save you the trouble. If you ever order a piece of cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory, here it is, the Nutter Butter Cheesecake. Guys, I'm telling you, bl- Mind blown. I'm telling you, it's that good. You want to have that. Well, this past, well, I shouldn't say this past week. It's probably two weeks ago now. uh, I took Emily out on a date. We went out to dinner. And even though I don't need a reason to take my wife out to dinner, this one was particularly, this date was specific to show her honor uh, for how gracious that she's been and flexible that she's been with me specifically over the course of this summer. Uh, This renovation, you know, some of you guys are just arriving here for the first time. Our team worked our butts off to make this become a reality in the course of the summer leading up to the grand opening. And can I just pause really quick and ask this? Raise your hand if you were a part of the renovation at all, even if like you dusted. Raise your hand, raise your hand if you're a part of the renovation. I bless you guys. Thank you. Yeah, we can give it up for those guys. Thanks for starting the slow clap there. Um, seriously, thank you for uh, being a part of this. That was a big undertaking. A lot of people that weren't here to see it on the front end don't know how big of a job that that actually was. Well, today as we continue in our This Is Us series, We want to set the table, if you will. Set the table on what you can expect if you come to Trace. And one of my hopes is that the more you come here, the more that you will learn to appreciate, like, all of the thought that goes into and that is behind everything that we do here. You see, before we ever open the doors of this church, we spend a lot of time planning and preparing and praying for the kind of culture that we wanted to be Trace Church. In other words, when you walk through those doors, what was it that you were going to experience? We we spent so much time thinking through that because it was important to us. Some of the things that came up is we wanted things to be clear, meaning if we were gonna give you a next step or you wanted to know what your next step was within the church, we wanted to make that crystal clear. We want everything that we do here to have meaning behind it, that it wasn't kind of like haphazardly put in place, but that we had thought through it and there was meaning behind everything that we did and that it was also intentional. Like there was an intentional process behind the things that we decided to do. And so I hope that you'll experience that and you'll come to appreciate that. Now, another word that ended up surfacing in many of our conversations was the word simple. We wanted this to be a simple church. 
In other words, if I can play off that metaphor that I started with, we didn't want a buffet-style church. We didn't want a place where you come and there was like a thousand different ministries that you could be a part of and you could pick. Now, I'm not saying that philosophy is bad or wrong. I'm just telling you it's not our philosophy here. Instead, we wanted to pick a few items and do them really, really well. And so what we've done here at Trace is we've come up with three key focuses that we're going to talk about today and why we have specifically chosen those three focuses. Now, let me back up really quick because I came from one of those churches that did a ton of different ministries, had all kinds of different things that they would offer, and I had to write them all down just so uh, I could remember them all. And maybe you came from a church like this. And again, that's not saying we're, we're saying that's a bad philosophy. It's just a different philosophy. Here are some of the ministries that were offered from the church that I came from down, down in Arizona. They had a men's ministry, a women's ministry, a singles ministry, a 65-plus they had a homeless ministry, an addiction ministry, divorce ministry, grief share ministry, young married couples, sports, prayer ministry, karate ministry, and I'm just getting warmed up. They literally had a ministry around each of these areas. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it's not our philosophy. One of the things that happens when uh, churches take on that philosophy, and I watched this happen so I can speak from this from uh, an experienced standpoint. One of the things that happens when you have that many ministries, what some would say too many ministries, is that you start to burn out your volunteers. I mean, you're constantly trying to get people to come and help facilitate all of these ministry opportunities, and in the process, you burn out your volunteers. But you also burn out your families. And last week, Corey shared with us how one of our key traces here is to help families win. And friends, one of the ways that we feel like we can do that and partner with you is to not offer so many church programs that we're constantly keeping your time filled with things that are happening at church. Now, part of you may say, well, it's church. Isn't it supposed to be good? Yes, but the best ministry that will ever happen will be in your home. Discipleship happens best in the home, and so, yeah, we want to give you tools, and we want to give you opportunities to serve with your family, but we also want to give you time. We want to free you up as much as we can so that you can actually spend that time with your family, hopefully being intentional, having an intentional process with your family of how you're developing in Jesus Christ, which is what our hope is here as well. So instead of offering this buffet-style ministry, we've chosen to pick three specific things of what we're going to focus on. Now, some of, this, uh, some of these are going to be a reminder for you. Others, this will be the first time you've ever heard these. Our three focuses are neighboring, next generations, and nations. Now, when we came to these three particular categories, the first thing we wanted to make sure is, did Jesus ever talk about these? Like, is it clear in the gospel that these are important areas? And we would say, again, it's an opinion, but I think it's a very educated opinion. I don't know if there are three stronger areas that we could say, hey, if we were to pick three areas as a church and invest all of us, invest our time and attention and even resources into, we could potentially make the biggest difference as a church. We would say it's these three areas. Now, I don't have time to go through all of these, but here's what I do want to do. I want to give you uh, something that Jesus says about each of these areas that will emphasize the importance of each. Let's begin with nations. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, meaning what I'm about to say next, you can be assured, is very important. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, 
Hold on to that thought. All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So over here, Jesus says, listen, don't make this about your own little kingdom. Like, we have a tendency to do that in church. We have a tendency to do that in our own lives. And so sometimes what happens in some churches is that it's like, hey, let's not focus on what's going on around the rest of the world, even though God wants us to be a part of what's going on in the rest of the world. Let's just focus on what's happening here in our little space called Trace. And let's invest everything, all of our time and attention here so we can grow and we can be proud of ourselves because of how many people come to this particular location. And we've just said, you know what? If we want to make the biggest ripple for the kingdom of God, not our own personal little kingdoms, but for the kingdom of God, we have to be about the nations. Not focusing on our little kingdom, but focusing on God's kingdom. Nations is one of our big focuses. Next generations, here's what Jesus says. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large milestone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus says, don't mess with my kids. Don't mess with my kids. Friends, I think we all have an obligation to invest in the next generation. I think Jesus makes it really clear how high of importance they are in his life. And so we want to adopt that mentality as well. And so as followers of Jesus, we want to invest heavily in the next generation. I'm going to talk more about that here in a second too. Last one, neighboring. Once Jesus was asked, he said, teacher, and they were trying to trap him in this particular context. They said, teacher, which commandment in the law is greatest? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes if you grew up, grew up in the church, like just pause for a second. If you grew up in the church, uh, you know this, right? It's called the, the great commandment. We talked about the great commission over here. Now we're talking about like the great commandment. And, and we know this. And because we know this and we can kind of repeat it so fast, it's just, oh, you know, I learned that in Sunday school or wherever it was for you. We kind of bypass it really quick. But just stop. I, I love going back to the word of God and hearing things with new ears. And Jesus, listen to me, Jesus is about to tell us the most important commandment. Like this should be one of those opportunities or moments for us where we lean in like, okay, like what is he going to say? Here's what he says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like it. Hold that up for a second. Well, hold on, Jesus. We didn't ask you for the second one. We only asked you for the first one. And so what we need to hear and notice and pay attention to here is Jesus is about to share the second one because the second one has to be a part of the first one. I mean, you really can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind if you don't do what he shares next. So he says the second is like it. This is when we should be leaning in even more. Jesus says the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets friends if we don't do anything else right jesus just made as clear as he possibly could listen lord listen guys listen if you want to follow me let's start here love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind you're going to be able to grow in that for the rest of your life you'll never arrive there but listen the second's like it don't miss the second one because the second lets me know that you're actually taking the first one serious if you want to love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind you have to love your neighbor friends neighboring has to be 
one of our key focuses if this is really about building God's kingdom and not our own little kingdom. Now, I know for many of you, uh, this is a reminder. You've heard us talk about this. You've been coming to Trace for a while now, and you've heard us mention these before. If you've gone to our Be a Trace class, we've talked about these in more depth. But what we've decided to do, because we don't want to be a church that's just all about honoring God with our lips, we actually want to be a church that's reflecting the love of Jesus with our lives. That means we need to put an action step behind each of these focuses, which is exactly what we've done. I'm going to turn these over in just a moment, and I'll show you the action steps that we have partnered with each of these. So we've added three action steps. Now, hear me. What I'm about to say, I'm not saying flippantly. I'm not trying to over-sensationalize anything. This is truly from experience and observations in, a, in over a decade of ministry. I believe the three statements, the three action steps that are behind each of these cards have the potential to bring the most life change and transformation into your personal walk with God. Let me call a timeout really quick. What I just said, just put over here. Let me call a timeout. Some of you are here right now, and this platform doesn't mean a whole lot to you. And maybe for two reasons. Let me just stay with me here for a second. For some of you, you're still jaded from past church experience or religious experience, whatever those have looked like, and it's left you jaded. I had a conversation last week and heard someone say, yeah, I'm detoxing from the church right now. I'm like, oh man, I'd love just to sit down with you and just listen and what that church experience has been like and why. Um, and I'm careful not just to throw the church under the bus. Sometimes it's the people, right? It's the problem of the person. But oftentimes it's just a bad taste in people's mouth when it comes to church and how Jesus was represented to them because it really wasn't Jesus that was being represented to them. And so you're jaded and maybe you're detoxing from church. And so you're careful when a guy like me gets up here with this platform and says, hey, there's three statements behind each of these that could facilitate the most change in your life. You're thinking, yeah, we'll see what I'd like to say to you this morning. And I may not have a lot of relational equity in your life right now, but here's what I'd like to say. Would you trust me? Would you trust me? I know that may be difficult. I get it. I really do. I know that may be difficult for, for some of you. Let me talk to another audience. And I'm still in my timeout. We're in timeout right now. You can tell I've got four kids. Um, some of you may not really care. May, well, maybe you care, but you don't pay a whole lot of attention to what's behind these three areas. Even though I just told you that these could potentially facilitate the most life transformation in your walk with God right now, your, your thing is this. You, you might be too full of pride to listen to me or anybody else to think that this would actually benefit your life other than what you personally think could benefit your life? Hear me. I know this may hurt a little bit. Friends, if you don't have a teachable spirit, then you're not giving God the pl platform to change your life. Now, I'm not saying you have to listen to me. I hope you do. But you might know right now, if you don't ever take anybody's advice, do you ever ask for feedback in your life? Because if you don't have a teachable spirit, you're not giving God a platform to shape the life that he wants you to have. And so if pride is your issue this morning, can I ask gently that you would humble yourself and begin to change the platform of your heart to have a teachable spirit so that God can shape your life. So, time back in. Here are the three action steps that we believe could facilitate the most change in your life. I'll just start here. We want to see everyone 
in a group. Investing in kids. And on a trip. Let me start with this one. This one might be the hardest for many of you. Many of you maybe have made this statement along the way. Hey, I'm never going to go on a mission trip. I'm never going to go on one of those trips. I'm never going to go out of the country. Here's what I'd, I'd ask at least, if nothing else of you today, is don't dismiss it as if it's final. The conversation's over. I'm never going to do this, Aaron. You just lost me. Do not dismiss this, and here's why. Friends, one of the most life-changing things that I've watched happen with people in the context of faith has been when they've gone on one of these trips. And here's why. I've made a few observations. What happens is we get caught up in this Christian Americanized bubble, and we really don't know what's happening in the rest of the world. Now, you may see some things on the news, but it's not the same as witnessing firsthand. And here's what I've come to conclude. We've come to conclude everyone needs to be forced to see the world the way that God sees it every single day. And sometimes we think we're going on these trips and it's like, hey, we're going to go over there for a week and make a big difference. No, the difference that's made is in your life. Because you're forced to see the things and things that you've never seen before and experience things and be available for God in ways that, you <clears throat> that you've never been before. And oftentimes, people have to overcome a huge obstacle of fear. And so there's, a, there's an element of faith that's a part of this conversation where you're like, God, I don't think I can do this. I'm scared to death. I don't want to make this step. And so God's going to have to show up in your life in bigger and greater ways, which is another reason why this is probably one of the biggest steps of faith that you could ever take that would create life transformation. Now over here, this one's not so much about our lives. This is about what we do that creates life change in the lives of others. Now it can still um, change our lives as too, the influence that we have on others and how we're able to help others, especially kids when it comes to learning more about who Jesus is. Like that makes us feel fulfilled too, doesn't it? Let me, let me be honest for a second. I used to not be a big fan of kids. The irony there is I've got four of them now. But I used to not be a big fan of kids. I was the youngest in my family, so I never grew up with like people younger than me or babies. Uh, like in, even in my whole family, extended family, I was like the youngest out of probably 20 cousins. And so I never was extremely fond of children. And I remember being very judgmental of being the, uh, the grocery store, and I'd see a mom with a two-year-old or three-year-old, and I'm like, woman, like, learn how to discipline your children. This is ridiculous. And then I had a two-year-old and a three-year-old, and I learned that you can't negotiate with terrorists, right? I mean, <laughs> guys, it takes a village, it takes a family, it takes a church, whatever other metaphor analogy you want to throw in there, it takes all of us to prepare our kids for a culture that's radically moving away from God. All of us at least those of us that have put our faith in Christ, have an obligation to invest in the next generation. A couple ways you can do that here, you can serve and trace kids. You can serve in our student ministry. Uh, one of our partnerships here is with a place called Hope and Home. It's a foster care agency. You can come alongside of some of those families. Maybe, maybe you could become a foster parent. Who knows? There's several ways that you can invest in kids, and you're going to hear more about that in the future. And the last one is the one that I really want to stop to focus on with a little bit more depth today. And you're going to hear more about these later. And so we'll come back to those. Don't worry. Uh, not today, but on a different, you know, day and different Sunday. And like I said, you'll hear more about those. But today I want to focus about, focus on this. We want to see everyone, everyone in a group. Now, again, you may already be having a conversation in your head where you're like, no, I'm not going to make that step. Let me share 
the one thing as we transition into this part of our conversation. Here's our one thing that I really want you to think about and process through today, even after you leave. Friends, life is done best in circles and around tables, not in rows. Meaning what the church did for such a long time is they facilitated an opportunity like this. This is an aspect of the church, but you're in a row right now. You're looking at the back of somebody else's head. Tap them on the shoulder right now and say, your hair looks good today. Yeah. But life and even church was never meant to be done in this context. It was meant to be done in what we would like to call biblical community. Meaning it's a group, it's a gathering, but it also has an intentional process in place where you're learning how to move and pursue the heart of God together. But here's something that we all need to know and be on the same page with this morning. You see, our enemy, he's been pursuing you his whole life, your whole life. Do you know that? He's been pursuing you your whole life. And one of the lies that he's been trying to feed you, whether you recognized it or not, is this. You don't need anybody else. Like, you're good. You can do this on your own. And if you ever think that you can't do life on your own, man, that's your problem. You're weak. Now, you partner that with all the situations in our life where people let us down and betrayed us. And now you have a perfect recipe for isolating yourself, which is where the enemy wanted you to arrive from the very beginning. You see, the enemy does some of his best work when you isolate yourself. The enemy does some of his best work when he finds you in a place where nobody's around you to encourage you, to prop you up, to pray for you, to walk with you through burdens, and he will wreak havoc in your life. Some of you know this. Some of you have experienced this. Some of you have been a part of this. But we've decided that we're going to put an intentional process in place behind these groups to where when you get in front of other people and you're actually face-to-face, right? Now we're talking about, we're not doing life in rows anymore. We're going to do them in circles and around tables. And by doing this, we're actually starting to learn what's happening in people's life. You know, we shared this verse last week. Galatians 6, 9 says that, hey, if you will carry each other's burdens, you actually fulfill the law of Christ. I'm losing space to move up here. That's okay. Friends, we want to see everyone in a group here because this is how God designed community. And this is what you were designed for. He never, never intended for you to be in life and do life alone. He never intended for you to be isolated in your struggles, but also in your victories and things to celebrate. He wants people to come around you and do that with you. Now, some of you may be in here right now, and you're like, Aaron, I'm good, I got that. I've got friends, we go hiking together, we go cycling together, we go skiing together, whatever that may be. And that's good, that is called community, but that's why we add the word biblical community to it, because there has to be an intentional process behind this that is moving us in the direction of Jesus and not just having another social club. Several years ago, I was overseeing a group, large group, of high school students. Uh, I was part of a ministry. I had three to 400 high school students showing up on Wednesday nights. And part of my responsibility there as a leader was to oversee all of the groups. They had little small groups that kind of broke out from this big, larger group. And so since there were so many students coming, what would happen is we would have a setting like this. We would teach to the students for a part of the, the day or the evening. And then we would tell them to break off and they were already assigned to a particular, what we call life group at that point in time. And my responsibility was to go around and help develop and 
coach the life group leaders that were overseeing the students. And so I would rota rotate around to each of the groups. One particular night, I went to a group that was a bunch of high school boys with raging hormones and underdeveloped brains. I just need to add that real quick. And they were so rambunctious. And of course, you know, some of them are a little crazier than the others. But then I noticed there was one kid. And he was just kind of sitting off to the side. And there's no way he could have gotten a word in edgewise, even if he wanted to. And so I'm sitting there kind of, you know, observing and thinking to myself. And I said, hey, guys, really quick, let's just do this. Everybody settle down. It took about 30 minutes. Let's just settle down. And I want to ask one question. Let's go around. Everybody answer it. Like, what's, like, the biggest thing going on in your life right now? And so we begin to go around the circle. Some of the kids took it serious. Others, uh, seriously, others didn't. But then we get to the kid who had been really quiet. He hadn't said anything. And he says, well, my mom has cancer. See, these guys have been meeting for months. Nobody slowed down. There was no intentional process in place. Nobody ever asked the question, the simple question that really needs to be asked more often in our lives. Really, really easy question. How are you? Really? Like, how are you? You see, without an intentional process, we just end up in more social clubs. But what we're trying to do through these neighboring groups is create a setting where we're not looking at the back of people's heads anymore. We're actually living life around circles and around groups where it's a safe place to answer the question, how are you? We're not high school students anymore. Some of you are. There's some high school students in here, but for the adults, we're not high school students anymore. We don't have that excuse anymore. It's time to actually start intentionally being a part of a design that God designed. It's not just me up here saying this. I created you for biblical community. I created you to do life with one another. If you go back to the very beginning of the church, what you see are people that are starting to put their faith in Jesus gather together in each other's homes. This is why we do it in homes and not just in a big context like this. This is still important. This is one tool for us all to be developed into Jesus Christ. But if we want to model as closely as we can after what the early church looked like, it's done in your homes. And so we want to create a context where you're actually coming together with an intentional process underneath it, developing in the ways that Jesus wants us to be developed in. But here are three possibilities, and I'm going to close with this. You see, there are three potential responses that are happening in your minds right now, depending on who you are. And one, resp one response, let me get over here, is this. Aaron, I agree with what you're saying. I even understand that it's important. I just don't have any time for it. Like, I don't have any margin in my life. I don't have any time. You're telling me to do something else with my time. I just simply don't have it. And get, listen to guys, I get it. It's, that's not even an excuse. That's your reality. And so let me give you some advice from Bob Goff. Quit something every Thursday. And keep quitting something every Thursday until you have some margin in your life to allow the things that God wants to be a part of your regular routine. And I can assure you, biblical community is one of those. So if that's your story, that you're just too busy right now, can I just ask, humbly ask, I know it's bold of me, but man, just stop doing so much stuff. The second potential response is, um, all right, Aaron, I get it. You're, 
I'm good. Like, I got friends. I don't need any more friends. Everything, you know, the stuff you're talking about, I've got friends. Like, I'm, I meet with guys, and maybe it is the cycling club or the biking club or the skiing club or whatever it is that you're a part of, my, your little neighborhood, you know, group, whatever it is. And I just need to ask you a question, okay? Answer the question, is there an intentional process behind it that allows you to develop in the ways of Jesus? Because if there isn't, it's still community. I've already talked about this, but it's still community. It's just not biblical community. And I don't know how much merit or relational equity that I have in your life, but if I have any, I'm trying to encourage you. This is one of the number one things that you can do is to be a part of one of these biblical communities. We call them neighboring groups where you can facilitate, where that can facilitate the most life change and transformation in your life. Last one. I'm scared to death. See, I've done this before. And when I did it before, people that were supposed to be Christians betrayed me, betrayed my trust. They betrayed maybe something that I shared that shouldn't have been shared outside of the group, maybe how they treated me, whatever that looks like. And so you are jaded. Maybe you are detoxing for a good reason from church. Maybe you're just scared to death because you've had enough, maybe it's not even been the group context, but you've had enough people back out on you in your life, you've had enough disappointment and struggle. I don't know if I can put myself out there again. Coming from your pastor, I got trust issues. I get it. I've had enough of those betrayals in my life, even in the Christian context. I've had some groups go wrong, so I get it. Here's what I'm asking. I know it's going to take a bold move on your part, but just give it another shot. And the reason I can ask that of you is because I've intentionally spoken to and invested in all of the group leaders that are going to be available today for you to make that move, that bold move, to potentially get into a group. And I believe in them. I think you've got great leadership. We've got great leadership in place for people that are going to love you just where you're at. And so if nothing else, man, hear me on this, if nothing else, just don't dismiss it. So maybe you don't sign up for a group today, but would you at least hang around and have a conversation with somebody that's leading a group and just start to pick at the idea of getting into a biblical community? Because I believe, I believe this is one of your most powerful moves that will help to facilitate the most change in your life. Now, let me explain something really quick. I meant to explain this earlier and I forgot. The reason we call them neighboring groups is because Jesus said we can't love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind if we also don't learn how to love our neighbor. And so maybe you get in a group, and that group meets right over here off Rock Rimmon, but you personally live live up in Briargate. And so what we want to do, something we always want to be in front of us in these groups, is you may get to know your neighbors and what's happening and the pain that exists even in your own personal neighborhood. And maybe something happens, somebody loses a job, loses a loved one in their life. And so even though you live up here and you're attending a group down here, you come to your group and say, hey guys, next week, Is it okay if we beat up by my house and do something for my neighbor? And the answer should always be yes. Yes. Guys, we're going to learn to love our neighbors better. We're going to learn to not live in a row, but to start doing life in a circle. Because you were made for biblical community, not isolation. Let me pray for us. Father, I know this is a big step for a lot of people. God, I know that there are many stories in here of 
why so many people may even feel the hesitation. Man, they may have a, something going on in their guts right now that is just, just killing them. Father, I understand that this is, uh, this is a big deal. That a, part, a big part of our development and understanding how life was intended to be done by your design, not our own personal design, for your kingdom and not our own personal little kingdoms, is that we were supposed to do life with one another, to carry each other's burdens, to be able to look at people face to face and say, hey, how are you? And to have a safe place where we can answer that question, that we can prop each other up. And when we have times and moments where we celebrate, we don't find ourselves celebrating alone. There are people there to celebrate with us. God, it is clear in your word that you designed us for this. Even from the very beginning of creation, when you designed Adam, it was all about a relationship. God, show us what it looks like to build these life-giving relationships. And Lord, I pray for those in here that need courage today that you'd fill them from head to toe. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.